The scripture passage this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 and 16 through 18. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God, thank you for your word. Help us seek you in prayer morning, noon, and night. Lead us into your presence into your quiet strength, and let us see you in everything. Thank you, Kay. And hey, everybody, uh, all of you bracket-busted believers out there, uh, here in, uh, in person and online, welcome. And uh, happy Sunday to you all. Uh, this is the Lord's Day, and we will rejoice. And also, today is the last day of winter. Hallelujah. Would you, would you like to wave goodbye to winter? So long, winter. You tried, but we survived. <laughs> I met last week uh, with your uh, incoming pastor who starts July 1st, my friend, Cindy Stewart. I gave her kind of a tour around the facility, and, and I thank the Lord for her because I believe that she will be a good fit for Faith Westwood. Now, on Sundays throughout Lent, we've been uh, praying together this Sabbath blessing from Pete Gregg. So let's, let's pray it again today. Let's pray. May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and my home. May God's image in me be restored and my imagination in God be restoried. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know the grace to embrace my own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. Well, virtually everybody on the planet knows how to play the game hide-and-seek. You know, a Greek writer uh, wrote about this in the 2nd century B.C., and I suspect that the game is much older than that. Uh, it also may be the first game you ever played, even when you were a year old and, and the only way you knew how to hide was by putting your hands over your face. <laughs> Peekaboo. Peekaboo. A lot of you may not know this, but at youth lock-ins that have been held in this building, students have played a version of hide-and-seek called sardines. Anybody know about sardines? 
Yeah, uh, the, the young people do. Yeah, uh, by the end of the game, all of them except one are hiding in the same spot, crammed together like sardines in a can. Hide and seek is the first game in the Bible, but then it was not a game. Adam and Eve hid, and God came looking and found them. We used to play uh, hide-and-seek sometimes uh, at uh, recess when I was growing up at District 3 Saunders County uh, Country School. And I remember one day, Sid Parks was it. And uh, so he hid his face at the big tree and counted. And uh, our, our country school had outhouses. For those of you who don't know, that's like a permanent porta potty right? And uh, some of the older girls said, let's hide in our outhouse. Sid will never find us there. So the girls hid in the main part, and then we boys hid in the waiting room. That, this was a fancy outhouse. The girls had a waiting room. And so we were packed in like sardines, and, and poor Sid looked all over the schoolyard and never found us. Of course, when we got back in the buildings, we were scolded by Mrs. Priest, like, you should not do that. Even now, I, I bet you could imagine yourself or you could remember yourself as a kid hiding in, in a dark closet, being really quiet at your grandma's house during a game of hide-and-seek. Today's message is part of a series called Be Still. It's about having a, a regular quiet time alone with God. And today we're talking about an important feature of our daily quiet time, hiddenness, hiddenness. Our theme for this series is Psalm 46.10, and what you see is the tattooed arm of Jen Robinson, our director of Guest Connections. Uh, this verse must be really important if she had it inscribed on her flesh. Uh, and what does this verse say? Part of it says, be still. And know that I am God. It's like saying, God saying, quit rushing around and assuming everything's up to you. Let me be God and you be you. Now, I'm not suggesting you get a tattoo. We, we have something for you, though, that's a lot easier, and that's these Be Still wristbands. Um, if you didn't get one last week, we have adult sizes and baskets kind of around the foyer in Fellowship Hall. Miss Leah has the ones for the kids upstairs. Just take one. And uh, if you're worshiping online and you live far away, let us know. We'll send you one. Uh, the purpose of this series is to encourage you to start a new practice if you don't already have it set up or maybe be more consistent if it's kind of uh, off and on. Uh, of spending a little quiet time alone with God each day. Maybe you've heard uh, that it takes three weeks to start a new habit. I don't know if that's really true or not, but there are three weeks between now and Easter. What if you took a few minutes each day to pray, read a little bit of the Bible for the next three weeks? And you know, if you read a chapter a day, you would finish John's gospel by Easter. That would be a big accomplishment, wouldn't it? 
And if you're looking for a prayer guide, I always recommend the morning devotion on the Lectio 365 app. I know a lot of you have started using it. Uh, I've been getting emails, and, and uh, one guy told me uh, uh, here at our, at our church that he's now getting up a little earlier before work so he can have a little quiet time with God. I received an email recently from another guy who said that he likes to have multiple little quiet times throughout the, throughout the day. Time is the most valuable commodity that you have. Spending time alone with God says something about how important this relationship is to you. And of course, Jesus gave us the example of that. He often would get away from his crowds, even from his disciples, to be alone with the Heavenly Father. He taught hiddenness. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, by the way, if you don't own a Bible to, to read at home, let's fix that today, all right? Just talk to me or anybody with a name tag, and they'll put a Bible in your hands before you leave. If you don't live in the area and you're online, email us, info at faithwestwood.com. We'll send you a Bible. Now, in verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a fake, a fraud, a phony. Hypocrites try to impress you with how genuine they are, but after a while you learn it's only skin deep. Our English word hypocrite actually comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which literally means an actor. Now, there's nothing wrong with being an actor, but Jesus is referring to here is to a deliberate deception. A hypocrite is a person who lacks integrity. And how did hypocrites pray? Jesus said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, just so you know, Jesus is not banning corporate prayer in public worship. He's talking about putting your personal prayer times on display. There, uh, and, and when you do that, then it's not about building up your relationship with God. These, these hypocrites are doing it so that others will admire their religiosity. Uh, a few hundred years before Jesus, the Bible says that Daniel went to his upstairs room and all alone he got on his knees to pray. But the first century Pharisees, they were not like Daniel. They got out on the street corners. You know, it's like prayer busking <laughs> uh, for the admiration of others. And they wanted everybody to be impressed about how long they were doing this. But God can see through that. At the end of verse 5, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. <laughs> they got what they were looking for but not anymore. Now, this passage is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching us, teaching his followers how to have a quiet time with God in this particular passage. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
So your quiet time is a reservation for a party of two. And in the rest of verse 6, Jesus adds, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God deepens us in hiddenness. God deepens us in hiddenness. And that is the, the heart of today's message. Let's say it together, shall we? God deepens us in hiddenness. Some of you uh, may have learned about John Wesley's devout mother, Susanna. Uh, back in the early 1700s, she raised 10 children and actually gave birth to several more that died. Um, but in their small house, she didn't have a room to go and close the door to be alone with God. Uh, so what did she do? Well, she would sit, and when it was her prayer time, she would pull her apron over her head. And the children learned you don't disturb mama when she's praying. Once in a while, I listen to a sports talk radio when I'm in the car, you know. One of the amazing things about sports talk radio is that they have an uncanny ability to cram two minutes of news into 20 minutes. Have you noticed that? <laughs> and the rest they fill with repetition and fluff because they have so little to say. And God's not impressed when we pray like that either. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. You know, of course, in radio, you've got to give them some slack because you can't have any quiet time. You can't have dead time. But with prayer, silence adds depth to our prayer. God listens to our hearts. We try to listen to God. God deepens us in that hiddenness. And then Jesus uh, goes on to teach us to keep prayer simple, and that's what the Lord's Prayer is, right? It's simple prayer, simple but direct. Uh, I would also encourage you that, that the Lord's Prayer could be an important part of your quiet time. Maybe you have your quiet time in the morning, you want to end with the Lord's Prayer, or you may say, well, I want to save and I'll pray the Lord's Prayer at bedtime. Um, you can also make the Lord's Prayer an outline for prayer. I was at a, a guest at a service one time, and the, and the pastor did that. would pray a line of the Lord's Prayer and then kind of pray other things that went with that, and then pray the next line, and then pray things that went with that. And then after Jesus uh, talks about the hiddenness of personal prayer, he says, you know, it's the same with fasting. It's between you and God, and it's best kept hidden. Let's skip down to verse 16. You got your Bible open still? Skip down to verse 16. It starts out, when you fast. So he's not saying if you fast, but he's saying when you fast. So he's assuming that his followers will normally fast sometimes. Um, in Brian Heasley's book, I know a lot of us are, are watching the videos that he has, and in his book, he also clarifies the distinction between fasting and abstaining. He says fasting is when you give up all foods, and abstaining is when you give up certain foods. Now, in my own mind, I don't know that I'd made that clear of a distinction before, but I like it. I think it's helpful. You know, if your doctor tells you to fast before you come into the office and get your blood drawn... 
you don't go and ask, well, what food should I fast from? You know that that means all foods that day prior to coming and getting your blood drawn. Uh, and if you're having trouble with your digestion, uh, your doctor may tell you to abstain from certain foods for six weeks. Well, he doesn't mean, he or she doesn't mean fast from all foods, just abstain from some foods. Both fasting and abstaining can have some spiritual benefit. Uh, uh, the practice in, in Jesus' day that the devout Jews uh, commonly fasted two days a week. And in their way of doing it, they would, they would not eat in the morning or at noon, and then they would wait to the evening meal then to eat that one meal a day on, on their fast days. And, and just so you know, fasting is not a command for Christians. You do not have to fast. But if you do fast, do it to deepen your relationship with God. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. What does that mean, to disfigure your face? Sounds like surgery, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, in the, but in the next verse, Jesus contrasts it with washing your face. So disfiguring your face could mean rubbing dirt on it. And apparently it means also means uh, leaving your hair a mess like you just rolled out of bed. And the hypocrites do that to draw attention. Oh, yeah, look at her. Well, she must be fasting. Fasting, Jesus says, is for God's eyes only. It's meant to be hidden. In verses 17 and 18, Jesus says, But when you fast, put oil on your head. That is, do your normal morning hair thing. For me, that would be hair gel. And wash your face or take a shower so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I, I admit, though, I do not like to fast. I like to eat. Yeah? And I don't fast a lot. I, I, I'm sure that fasting more frequently would be beneficial for me on a spiritual level. But I do fast sometimes. Uh, Brian Heasley uh, shares some important values. He says, the discipline of fasting will hone your quiet times, draw you much closer to the Lord, enable helpful self-examination, and sharpen your intercessory prayer life. Now, those are some big benefits. Now, when I fast, um, I usually fast until 5 o'clock. And... Uh, that's kind of my thing. My fast till five, uh, and I like to fo when I do fast. I like to focus on a Bible verse that day, um, and there are different ones that I use. Uh, uh, for example, Matthew four four is when Jesus is being tempted, you know, and he says to the tempter, "Humans shall not live by bread on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." That's a good verse for fasting day. Uh, John 4, 34, Jesus tells his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
And so uh, when I start, when I'm fasting and I start thinking about food, happens a lot. Uh, thinking, oh, yeah, come have this for lunch. Oh, yeah, I'm not having lunch. And so when I start thinking about food, I tell my appetite to shut up. Because I'm, I am fasting to draw closer to God. And then I repeat one of those verses. Now, the verse that uh, I've used most recently while fasting is Psalm 73, 25. It also happens to be a verse that John Wesley said should reflect the heart of every Christian in the Methodist movement. The New Living Translation of it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. More than anything on earth. So this would be a great prayer. Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? I desire you more than anything on earth. One reason to fast is to magnify our desire for the Lord. Now, some days, your quiet time, you're going to sit down, you're going to have this time, and it's going to fall flat. Or you're going to fall asleep. And it's going to seem like your prayers aren't going anywhere. And you won't feel like God is speaking to you when you open up the Bible. And, and you're going to have times when you feel like a failure because you started to fast and then you gave up and ate lunch anyway. Happened to me. Sometimes we go through a drought. We go through periods of spiritual dryness. And it's important then especially that we don't give up because important things are happening if we stay faithful. Remember, God deepens us in hiddenness. I remember the summer uh, after I graduated from high school, I lived with my grandparents and worked on their farm uh, near Murdoch, Nebraska. In, in mid-June, I, I told my grandpa I was kind of worried because we hadn't had any rain in, in a, quite a while. And on that hot afternoon, Grandpa and I sat on the tailgate of his 1953 Chevy pickup. And he said he wasn't worried. He said a dry June can be good for the corn. He said it makes the roots go deep so they can get that subsoil moisture. And those deep roots will hold the plant in place if high winds hit. He said, a dry June can be good for the corn. And after that, I didn't worry about it anymore. And when your quiet times seem dull and dry at times, and it's going to happen, and maybe you're tempted to think, oh, okay, this is a waste of time, I give up, remember that something is happening below the surface. God is deepening your roots. God is deepening your faith. God deepens us in hiddenness. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, the, the sinful human nature is strong in me sometimes. And I find myself 
seeking affirmation from others and wanting to please others in everything. But Lord, I'm so thankful that your grace is stronger than my sinful human nature. So I'm counting on you to set me free from, from making my relationship with you a performance to be applauded. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Lord, deepen me in the hidden places and in the hidden moments that I spend alone with you. And now, let's pray the Methodist Covenant Prayer from John Wesley. Let's pray. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be confirmed in heaven. Amen.